This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Spooky nerds, welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Denny Geek Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I'm your host, journalist, author, researcher of weird stuff, Aaron Sagers. You can also catch me as host of the Netflix series 28 Days Haunted and on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus series Paranormal Caught on Camera. And I, before I bring my guest in, I want to make an announcement to all you, I don't know, talking strangers out there. Is that a thing? Are we calling you guys that? Maybe, but it's a thing now. Anyhow, I want to hear if you have a story about a haunted doll or toy or other object that made life hell. I want you to tell me about it because the Talking Strange Paranormal Podcast is teeming with full moon features to give away one, one of only 900 made actually, one-to-one scale baby oopsie replica from the horror movies it's and this is going to be before it's even available to the public so how do you get it simple enough all you have to do it's a giveaway just email your scary story to talking strange at denofgeek.com you prefer it to be a real true story and we will read the winning story on the march 7th episode of talking strange where we will be talking about spooky dolls and whatnot so now that that is taken care of i want to bring in my guest she is a woman that uh, grew up in brooklyn new york which even though i'm not originally from brooklyn it's it's where i've lived most of my adult life so i i have certainly a, a loyalty to new york city and her love of the paranormal began by watching her dreams play out on television. I want to ask about that. And as an adult, that passion grew into a full-fledged business. And she now lives in historic Marietta, Ohio, and is co-owner of the ghost hunting company called Hidden Marietta. And having five-plus years as a professional paranormal investigator under her belt, she's making a name for herself within the paranormal community. And she has indeed. We've seen some interviews out there with her and uh, some some folks that I trust speak very highly of her. So I'm excited to get to know her. Her name is Melissa Viva Ferris, and she goes by Viva. And she is, uh, as I said, uh, she's 33 years old. She's into the paranormal. She's running a business, and here she is. Hello, Viva. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. I. Since we were we were talking a little bit pre-show, and there was not a skeleton behind you, and now there's a skeleton behind you. I know. Um, I felt bad leaving him out, so I had to bring him into camera so he can also say hi to everyone. <laughs> sure, sure. I like it. That's this is uh, sort of your interview sidekick. Does does uh, he have a name? Um, I think I just started calling him Harold. Some people called him Gerald. Um, some people call him creepy, so it's really, it's whatever fits. He doesn't look that creepy to me. Nah, he's pretty yeah. harmless. Yeah. Uh, well, I like your background in general. You got lots of spooky stuff over there, and yeah. I, I, love, this, I love hearing this about is, it. Uh, this is my shop here um, with Hidden Marietta. I've got my coffin over here. There's a, a head inside the coffin as well. Um, but, yeah, this is uh, my shop that I co-own with... Uh, my three best friends. <laughs> right. Well, wait, hold on. We're going to get into that and we're okay. going to get into a lot of other, but I can't let you just say there's a, a head in the box without asking about the, is this a real head? Is this a model? Whose head is it? How did you acquire the head? What is the story there? Do you want me to show you her? Sure. Yes. Okay. I, I think that, I think we can most certainly take a pause to wait for Viva to acquire a head. This is, oh, that is indeed a head and a jar for all those folks listening to the 
audio version of this, you can check this out in the video on YouTube. But there is a little scully in a glass jar. And wow, look at that. So <laughs> that that is um, no offense to the plastic skeleton in the background, Harold or Gerald. <laughs> I'm curious about the head in the jar. I feel like Fine. we have to begin there. <laughs> well, um, we acquired her from an antique store. Um, for some odd reason, you go to antique stores and everything, and you find a lot of things there that you feel like shouldn't belong there necessarily. Um, so we saw her. She was just kind of sitting up on a, on a shelf. Um, she was for sale, so we purchased her along with some paperwork that goes along with her. Um, so she's just a display model. A few people have come in and asked to purchase her, but uh, we actually aren't. I guess we're technically not allowed to. Okay. Do you have any, any background information on this skull whatsoever? Other than um, you, you believe it, it was a woman? Well, we know that it's a female um, between the ages of 16 and 19 years old. Um, it's not a very old skull, so most likely she would have been um, passed away sometime in the 80s. Um, and she was used for medical use. Um, the rest of her body is kind of scattered to the four winds, but um, her head just ended up here in Ohio. Okay. Well, <laughs> even though she's just a head... I'm glad that she has somebody with you. So I like that's a good pun. Somebody. It's, it's really not a good pun. It's terrible. It's the was... kind of don't encourage me. Trust me, it's a bad idea. Let's <laughs> let, let, let's talk. I'm sure we'll circle back to other strange yes. objects in the in the store. But I want to talk a little bit about your upbringing in Brooklyn and how that shaped you. Where where in Brooklyn were you? I grew up in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Okay. Um, I think there were there was a time when I was very young that I lived someplace else, but all of my memories circle back to Crown Heights. Um, I grew up just around the Eastern Parkway, Sterling and Eastern Parkway area. Um, so that was kind of my stomping grounds from when I was really young to when I moved out here uh, to Ohio when I was 20. So how did how did your paranormal interest, and enthusiasm how was that shaped while you're in crown heights and and even you know i also want you to kind of uh, add some add some insight into in your bio where you say mm -hmm. your love of the paranormal began by watching dreams play out on television i'm i'm intrigued by that but how did crown heights shape your interest in the paranormal well, um, it all pretty much started, uh, and of course, she's going to watch this or listen to this, and automatically she's going to be like, curses, but my mother was kind of the main catalyst to all of this. Um, she was really into watching, like, ghost hunters and ghost adventures, and, um, like, I remember MTV used to have a show called Fear, and then um, back in, like, in October... I think it was ABC Family. They used to do like Scariest Places on Earth that was hosted by Linda Blair. Um, so we used to watch all of those TV shows growing up. And that was such a core memory for me. And it was such, not a lot of people would associate that with being like something that's wholesome or something that's like, oh, family time. But like genuinely me and my siblings and my mom would just kind of gather around the TV and watch these paranormal shows unfold. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like, this is just the greatest thing ever. We genuinely were kind of engrossed in that sort of um, fan, well, what we thought was a fantasy, um, but eventually we did end up living in it. The apartment building that we, that I grew up in, um, there was one there previously that had burned down and quite a few people ended up passing away during that time. Um, it was very, very haunted. Uh, we thought that we were the only ones that were dealing with these paranormal instances, but one day one of our neighbors kind of came to us and was like, you know, I keep seeing this person in my house or I keep feeling something like touching me and I think I'm like going crazy. Like, and of course we were just like, oh no, we've seen that person. We've heard those noises. And um, in particular, there was a gentleman that would go around the entire apartment building kind of peeking in on people. Um, he, I just called him like the headless man. He didn't have a head. Um, he just had 
a white t-shirt so you can see his torso um and he had very baggy saggy blue jeans um but he was the one that would go around everybody's apartment and terrorize them um which ultimately made a lot of people fearful but we me and my family were kind of just like huh interesting <laughs> Was this, did you get the sense, since it seems like you were getting enough detail to pick up what it, what his clothing looked like, mm-hmm. did you get a sense that he was younger? Was he older? Do you think that this was perhaps someone that had previously lived and that you didn't have any historical information about who had died there, but um, younger or older, would you say, yeah. based on, on what you saw? Um, middle-aged, I would say like late twenties, early thirties. Um, he loved my mother. He was absolutely obsessed with her. Um, he basically bugged her so much now that it's a habit for her to sleep completely under the covers with everything covered because he used to tickle her feet at night. Um, he would, there's a few times where I would go and like sleep with my mother in her room and everything, because every kid does. And I would wake up and I would see him at the foot of her bed, just like kind of, just kind of tickling her feet. And I would just like turn over and just pretend like he wasn't even there. Um, And then there was also a lady that used to just kind of wander throughout the house as well. Um, She was very interesting. She wanted to, snuggle up with my sister at one point and my sister told her no that she could go sleep with me and I'm like um excuse me (laughs) so I I honestly uh all of those things whether it be poltergeist activity hearing voices hearing a name being called being touched it was just something that was so commonplace for us um which of course isn't something that a lot of people are okay with like growing up and living in but for us we weren't scared of it we were just kind of like oh okay and this was all in crown heights yep all in crown heights what what um how many how many siblings do you have uh three older siblings so i'm the youngest the baby i'm i'm the baby of five kids so (laughs) the uh, although it breaks my heart when you when you describe this ghost as middle age and then you say late 20s early 30s it just it hurts well, on a deep okay. personal level, Viva. <laughs> okay, so let's cycle back. Um, he was a younger guy. I would say he was pro- he was about... M- Listen, okay, stop it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not getting out of this one. Oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, we'll move on. What, what I find fascinating, though, and I love, I love hearing this story for a couple of reasons. And I like that you were watching the TV shows, but then you also had your own experiences. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting to me is I'm fortunate to travel around a lot and talking, talk to people at various locations about hauntings, but I don't do it a whole lot in New York city. Mm-hmm. And I, which by the way, you might hear horns in the background, New York city is saying hello, but <laughs> the, but I, I think about this a lot that, New York is probably a place where I least talk about the paranormal professionally. I talk about mm-hmm. it at bars and whatnot, but I kind of wonder why that is. I kind of wonder if it's maybe on one hand, it, it, it costs a lot of money to film shows here and set up events or whatever, but just in general, maybe it's because people are so busy that they're not paying attention. They're pay, they're, they're busy with their own normal lives and not paying attention to the potential paranormal stuff around them. Yeah. I kind of think that as well. Cause I've had quite a few people ask me other than like me growing up in it, what other experiences in New York that I've had as far as the paranormal goes. And um, the only other paranormal instance that I had in New York as a whole is um, cause I'm sensitive. I'm, one pretty much me and all of my siblings are sensitive but i'm the one that's more in tune with it for lack of better words um but me going near uh ground zero that's a no-go especially when you're sensitive and i was like in my teens um around that time so it was really i didn't understand what was happening i didn't understand what was going on in my brain whenever that happened. But um, I just remember seeing, um, there's like a, a really old church with a cemetery that's like just adjacent 
from it. I don't know how familiar you are with the area. Um, yeah, I know it. You, okay. Um, there's a really old church over there. And I remember just walking by, it was me, he, my husband, but he was my boyfriend at the time, um, walking by and seeing a man, um, it was at nighttime, a man in a business suit, really tattered looking, just kind of pacing and like scratching his head. And I was just kind of like, oh God, it's one of those crazy crackheads, you know? <laughs> but like, honestly, that's just the first thing that I thought of. And, um, and it seemed like in an instant, he went from being in the center of the graveyard to right at that gate where I was. And I could see his mouth moving and him reaching through the bars, but he couldn't, like, I couldn't hear anything. And he wasn't touching me, but he was just going through me. And I just kind of stopped and was just staring at him. Um, that's the only other paranormal instance that I had um, in New York overall. And I pretty much, if any time that I might go back to New York, I completely avoid that area at all costs. Yeah. And I, I think that being sensitive is one thing. And then also, honestly, I think anyone would go into that area mm-hmm. and tap into something quite heavy for obvious reasons. I, yeah. it's, I, I do want to be clear from my perspective, I would not support any kind of paranormal investigation of that area. No. I think it's disrespectful mm-hmm. and, Very. You know, but, mm-hmm. but, but I most certainly think that the, it's just charged with a lot of energy yeah. it, I, and I, I want to move on in a minute, but I just kind of want to talk just another moment. This is very self-serving of me, mm-hmm. but about New York city and haunting and, and apartment buildings and crown Heights. Mm-hmm. First off. So, with and as we know every little neighborhood in new york city in brooklyn every every neighborhood is a little bit different but the community of your apartment building in crown heights that like people were talking about this or or was that just the one guy or another person because people tend to if they don't want to acknowledge something, just kind of close it off mm-hmm. and say, okay, nope, like this is not happening. I'm not discussing this. Even if they are one apartment of yeah. dozens upon dozens in the same building. Yeah. Um, there were several spirits. Um, the lady that my sister told to come sleep with me and cuddle with me instead of her and the headless guy were the two like most prominent ones that we saw pretty regularly um but there were children there were like people of all different races that everybody had seen throughout the entire building um everybody's apartment was basically haunted it was four floors uh three apartments per floor um and everybody had some sort of paranormal experience it's a Um, it's a it's a sorry i didn't mean to apologize go on no, 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 you're good. Or, i didn't i mean i didn't mean to interrupt i didn't mean to apologize <laughs> you're not apologizing. I well you're i i'm telling you just you're definitely scratching an itch for me because i so rarely get to talk to folks about new york city yes. hauntings in in a modern sense you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of classic hauntings and you know i've lived in those really big buildings and it's funny how you can live in such close quarters to other people but still exist in your own little world Mm -hmm. and some some places they don't choose to interact with their neighbors whatsoever so they really are so so it's like you could have this insane haunting taking place in your little box and not think at all about what's taking place in the the next little box you know next door to you Mm -hmm. and all of this activity together it's it's just so mind-blowing and cool for me to think about so you're just like opening up something I, I feel like I now finally have someone to talk to about all this stuff it's true though honestly it's a lot of people are either scared or very weary or very um skeptical of the paranormal so the one thing that they do is kind of just completely close it out and especially in New York when you have it's the city that never sleeps, you know, everybody's just doing their own thing. They're constantly moving. There's always something going on. It's just kind of go, 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 go. And sometimes people just don't, even when they're home, just sit down and take a breather and just kind of soak up the energy or the space that's around you. Um, Luckily for us, the spirits that we had in our 
apartment complex were they were very strong um, and they wanted to make themselves known. So it, it definitely made it a lot easier to connect with them and have those interactions with them um, on a regular basis. I I often think about this this idea that like maybe you're maybe we're maybe we are all seeing ghosts out there walking mm-hmm. around and we just dismiss it. It's like, I don't know. It's just a, yep. it's this guy. And sort of like what you said, maybe that's just some crazy crackhead. So you just, just do disregard it. You know, yeah. you're like, exactly. you're like, I don't want to go near that guy. He's looking mm-hmm. a little cuckoo. And, but even more so in New York city, we're constantly just filtering out things because we don't want to be bothered. We want to exist our own little cone yep. of silence. We don't want to look at the wrong person the wrong way and mm-hmm. attract that attention so we're so I'm like, man, what if we were just constantly surrounded by these ghosts that we're seeing? But just from the pure city survival instinct, we're like, no, I'm not gonna look at that guy. I don't yep. want that attention. But it's a, it's a ghost. Exactly, and nobody really knows until they actually start honing in and just kind of observing the world that's around them. And I I'm very observant. So I focus on like, I'm like hyper-focused on everything that's around me. Um, so yeah, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> so what led to you kind of, okay, being, watching the shows, growing mm-hmm. up with these experiences, still not everybody takes that leap into the investigative component. So, and you, and you mentioned that, You've been doing this for uh, five plus years as a paranormal investigator. So what was the thing, the impetus to making you actually become an investigator? Um, Me moving out here and uh, basically just being in an environment that is obviously slower paced than New York City. Um, it really kind of led me to tap into the sensitive side of myself, um, this, the area of Marietta, Ohio, um, this whole area was actually Native American, like spiritual territory for a lot of different Native American tribes. So the Adena, the Hopewell, the Shawnee, the Delaware, the Miami, a bunch of different tribes that come through here. Um, and the overall atmosphere of this area, especially with how historic it is, um, definitely kind of intrigued me quite a lot. Um, and of course, they still have a few of those like sacred Native American mounds that are here in town too. Um, but just being in this area, and I'm a big history buff, learning about the history, learning about all the different good things that have happened and all the horrible things that have happened, um, it really just kind of pulled me in and made me kind of figure out, like, want to figure out what else was out there and what else might be coexisting with us. Yeah, and I, I admit that I don't know a whole lot about Marietta, but from what I did see, it was, I guess, established in 1788. Mm-hmm. And obviously there was the indigenous peoples that were, that were there going back quite, uh, you know, millennia, it seems yes. like. And mm-hmm. and then we have kind of the European and then American connections, I guess. Mm-hmm. George Washington was a surveyor going through there. And then during uh the civil war am i correct in understanding that it was a stop on the underground railroad um yes and no um that kind of digs into a really weird area right across the river from us uh right across the ohio river is west virginia um the house that i'm this isn't my house um (laughs) but the place that i'm currently set up in is called the anchorage mansion it's here in marietta and a lot of people have this notion that this house was one of the stops on the underground railroad um which of course is incorrect um this house was built by douglas putnam um, but his brother david putnam jr was an abolitionist and he lived right across the way from him here um he was a known abolitionist he was known for um stealing slaves over in what would have been virginia um which is now west virginia um but he would go over to virginia and steal slaves from a plantation that's still there um called henderson hall and he would house them in his home a lot of people speculated that douglas would also help his brother out and house some of those um slaves in this house as well um 
So his house, David Putnam Jr., his house was definitely one of the stops on the Underground Railroad, which of course, unfortunately, was torn down in the 1950s by the city of Marietta. Um, but there are a few different families that were known abolitionists here, but they all worked in secret. Um, it wasn't until many, many years later that people had done the research and figured out, oh, wow, like these families were really in, in the shit trying to help these people find freedom. Um, so technically it is known for that. Um, it does have a history of that, but it's not, unfortunately, it's not like a prominent history like some of the other places. Well, with that, tell me a little bit, you know, briefly about the sort of the haunted personality of Marietta. What are some of the the key kind of stories that you talk about on your tours and that you've discovered through you know, research and being a history buff? Yeah. Um, well, this house here, we, I majority do a lot of tours in this house. Not only does it house our shop and like this is our main office here, um, but we also do tours, investigations, private investigations, um, flashlight tours and stuff here. Um, this place has a cast of characters. Um, I never say like it's, a, a lot of people tend to ask me how many spirits are here in the house. We have no definitive number. Um, it was built in 1859, so over 160 years ago. Um, there are a few prominent figures, like the main families that lived here, um, unfortunately did pass away. Um, and it was also a nursing home for over 20 years as well. So several people passed away during that time frame too. Uh, so there's several people that have passed away here in the house. So there's no definitive number of how many spirits are here. Um, there is also the uh, People's Theater, which is on Putnam Street here in town. Uh, there was known to be a murder that took place in the tunnel that was just underneath that uh, theater. It also led to the... Um, the sister theater right across the street from it, which is now known as Mid-Ohio Valley Players Theater. Um, it is also known to be haunted, and both of them, since they were sister theaters, are actually haunted by a gentleman named Mr. Shaw. He owned both of those theaters at one time, so he kind of congregates back and forth, um, so much so that the staff members at both of those locations actually have one specific seat in the theater reserved for him. And it actually has his name on it for Mr. Shaw. Um, we have uh, several different other buildings that have had several different claims over the years of having paranormal instances happen. Uh, one such place, which mind you, I can go on forever, so please stop me whenever <laughs> you get a chance. Um, there is a restaurant here. Um, it used to be called the Levy House, but it was also known to be um, a brothel. And there was a married man that would go there to visit one of the ladies of the evening. And his son caught wind of this and actually went up and murdered him because of his infidelity. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the legend says that he was actually uh, let off. Like it was a justifiable killing because he was obviously doing something outside of his family, outside of his marriage and causing his family to kind of see sh that was very shameful back in that time frame. Um, there's also an island right in the middle of uh, the Ohio River here called Buckley's Island. And it used to be a theme park, but at nighttime it was kind of like crawling with mobsters and gangsters and they would do like um, uh, cockfights and like gambling and there was brothel up there as well. Um, before that it was a uh, poor not poor, excuse me, um, a pestilence island where um, if you had some sort of sickness, whether it be Spanish influenza or tuberculosis, you would be placed there um, basically to just die. Um, there is, oh, I know, oh, the Lafayette Hotel. Uh, it was built in um, 1918. There was a hotel that was built there before that, that burned down in 1916. There are no definitive deaths that happened there, but there are several spirits that still linger throughout the halls there. And a lot of people have claimed to see these spirits in their room when they're there late at night, um, see them walking around the hallways as if they're guests. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard of the Lafayette Hotel. The... <laughs> I think we've had some actually on paranormal caught on camera. I think we've had some clips out of there, oh, out of that hotel. Yeah. And, and what was the name of the island 
in Buckley's on the river. Island. One Buckley's more time. Island. Um, Buckley's Island, it's right in the Ohio River. Um, it's right across, like, literally, you can, um, what is it, kayak there. It's, it's going to be a treacherous one because the kind of water flows a certain way. Um, but it's right between uh, Williamstown and Marietta, right in the middle of the river. So, I, and, and thank you for, for that, that breakdown. But do you have any cool cryptid or, or other urban strange urban legend or other phenomena um, stories around there yeah um there was once a claim that one of the cemeteries here in town uh mound cemetery to be more precise there is a huge native american burial mound right in the center of the cemetery and the cemetery um, houses all of the uh well not all of them but um the ones that were released from this area from the american revolution um and rufus putnam one of marietta's pioneers is actually buried there as well um but there was a uh legend that there was a creature that lived in there um, that was a protector of the mound from the Native Americans. Um, a few people have stated seeing this figure, this like ghoulish or goblin-y looking figure in the cemetery. But for the most part, people just see people just walking around, spirits and whatnot, just kind of wandering um, in between the gravestones and everything. But that's the only cryptid-y sort of thing I could think of. That's pretty cool though. The with with Hidden Marietta. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. You know, I asked earlier what made you go from being kind of this viewer of shows and experiencing things to becoming a paranormal investigator. But the next step is what made you go from being a paranormal investigator to being part of this business group and a co-owner of Hidden Marietta? How did the, the actual business portion come about? Um, the business portion came about via my friend, Jess, Jessica. Uh, she is the, I guess, primary co-owner with Hidden Marietta. She acquired it uh, well before I came along. Um, she wanted to come to the Lafayette Hotel. I worked there for a little stint in time. Um, she wanted to come there to do an investigation. And of course they needed to have an employee there with her to make sure that they weren't going any place they weren't supposed to go. And um, so it's just standard. And I was just like, okay, well I'll go. Like I'm not scared of that sort of stuff. And um, so I pretty much accompanied her throughout their investigation that they did there. Um, we investigated a few of the rooms upstairs, the basement, the ballroom area, um, and she pretty much hasn't gotten rid of me since. So, <laughs> so that's pretty much how it started. <laughs> I, I, the team of Hidden Marietta, it seems like this is an all uh, women-run yes. operation. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, it is myself, uh, Megan. She is also one of the co-owners, Karita, and Jessica. So all four of us co-own Hidden Marietta together. Um Jessica and Megan were the first two to kind of enter into this endeavor. Um, and then I joined on as the kooky, crazy, like, type of person. <laughs> I balance everything out is how I like to express it. Um, and what was that again? Kooky, crazy. Uh, <laughs> That's what I thought. That was good. That was good. That was good. Um, and then Karita joined on just a few years ago uh, with us because we have just been growing and growing and growing and we don't have any plans on stopping. For us, there's no ceiling. It's only up. Um, so as we keep growing and developing, then we just kind of make sure that we got, got, it, on, got it on lock. <laughs> well, and you have these, you have the ghost tours mm -hmm. and then you're in the shop right now mm -hmm. there's also a curiosity shop yes this one here 
so ghost tours curiosity shop and then i was looking at your program you also do movie nights yes we do spooky movie nights <laughs> and it just seems like you have and these expos as well like yep paranormal expo we do that uh every year um and then we also do investigations on blinterhassett island uh, which is a very historic island, which is located um, Parkersburg, West Virginia, so just about 20 minutes from here. Um, it is an island that once housed one Aaron Burr, if you are familiar with history and Hamilton and all that fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> I am, but outside, before Hamilton and before uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda kind of made him famous again, mm-hmm. my my strongest recollection of Aaron Burr outside of the name Aaron was this old peanut butter commercial where I don't does this ring any bells this is definitely showing my age now and it doesn't ring any bells folks it was it was a commercial where a guy is sitting in this lounge or this museum dedicated to Aaron Burr I think Mm -hmm. and and all around they're panning around it's like the bullet that that shot Hamilton and the this and the that, and he's just surrounded by Aaron Burr, and he's listening to a radio program, and there, uh, this this contest comes up, and it's like for a million dollars, call in. Who is the name of the man that shot Hamilton? And the guy calls it. But meanwhile, he's eating a lot of peanut butter, oh. and so when he calls in, he can't say Aaron Burr. Instead, it's all he's saying is like Awamba. And because his mouth is full of peanut butter and it was greatly entertaining and i still remember it to this day and this is an odd odd like kind of sidestep to this interview no, wait. No, wait. How, how did you say that again Awamba. <laughs> see now you're gonna have to look this up on youtube i'm willing what? to bet Damn. i'm willing oh to bet God. viva that this is gonna be one of the if you go look up aaron burr and then videos, it will rank high. I, I'm not going to say it's going to rank as high as, as as Hamilton, but it'll be up there. You will find okay. this commercial easily. Everyone out there, check it out. I, I But I don't remember what the, it was probably peanut, I don't know, it was Peter Pan, Jif, I don't know. It was one of the big peanut butters back in the day. And, and so, sadly, the branding didn't stick with me, but I remember the commercial it was very clever. So, uh, back to you. The yeah. so it seems like you guys are doing a whole lot mm-hmm. with Hidden Marriott, and I I really applaud you for that because you are busy and you have this entire operation. When you were, when when all of this was coming together, were there active choices to do things different than other ghost tour groups or other paranormal investigative groups out there, or did things just keep developing organically like oh we're gonna do a curiosity show oh we're gonna do movie now we're gonna do um i i can only speak for myself of course but i think that it all just happened organically um we kind of see what the people want for lack of better words obviously there's not a shop like this in our area um or in our immediate area so we automatically were just like you know what we might need to just try to be that little redheaded stepchild, you know, and just be the oddball for a little while. Let's just see where it goes. Um, We uh, originally had a shop in the basement of the Lafayette Hotel, uh, which Megan is very familiar with because she had quite a few paranormal instances while she was down there working. Um, But it was in a small little room and everything. It was in a high traffic area. Um, But ultimately we did start growing and it just happened organically. People were, oh, reaching out to us. What about this building? Do you know anything about this building? Does this building have any spooky stories? And um, our work, of course, with the Historical Society, because the Anchorage Mansion is owned by the local uh, Washington County Historical Society, um, our work with them led us to kind of stumble upon this gem of a mansion that's just sitting just on the hill with a beautiful view of Marietta. Um, It has a lot of history. It obviously has a good foundation, good bones. It's hauntingly beautiful the way I like to kind of portray that. Um, 
And it was just kind of like a no brainer to work with a historical society, especially since a lot of our tours and our research is all based in history. Um, we like to figure out the history of a location first before we do anything paranormal. Because ultimately, if you don't know about the people that you're possibly speaking to or the things that may have happened in that particular area, you're just going in blind, which some people are totally fine with and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we like to know exactly what is going on and what is going to possibly happen and who we need to talk to. So. Um, it was definitely something that was just organic over time. We just kind of, what if we tried and what if we do and what if blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm with you. I'm someone that I like to have the history of a place. I mean, for me, it's from a journalistic standpoint. I like to have yeah. the research done and everything. I don't just, dis, I don't dismiss people that like to go on cold if that, if that's yeah. their vibe or whatever, but I don't know. History is so important. It helps mm -hmm. guide me on whatever exactly. investigation I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So is the community supportive? Is Marietta into the the spooky biz, the ghosty biz? Um, at first they were not, um, but slowly but surely the town has been more open to what we do. Um, we have been in really good communication with our local chamber of commerce, with our visitors bureau. Um, and like I said, with the historical society here in town as well, um, a lot of people were kind of just like, Oh, I don't know about that. You know, we don't want to be known for the paranormal. Um, but they kind of saw that people were specifically looking for that. Um, and they were kind of just, peeking through the door a little bit, peeking, peeking, and now the door is kind of mostly open. We're, we're kind of standing at the door talking to each other right now. Um, there's still a few people, which it's completely understandable, that aren't into the paranormal. Um, everybody's allowed to have their own opinions and all that fun stuff. Um, but we always just wanted to make sure that either way, we still want to present them with the facts of the historical buildings and the history that happened here and what might have happened there. Um, we always make sure that we lead with the history, um, just so they understand that this isn't just ghost hunting for us. This is something that goes in deeper than that. This is like, this is serious for us. Yeah. And, and approaching the topic respectfully, which it sounds like you do and not mm -hmm. making it into, yes, it's, it's a little bit quirky at times, but it's also a pursuit that is, you can be respectful, you can be curious and mm -hmm. not turn it into a sideshow. Yes, exactly. And the one thing we don't do is turn it into that. Um, we believe that you have to give respect to get respect. So not only have we investigated here in this building, but we've gone to Trans-Allegheny, we've gone to Moundsville. Um, one of the girls that works with us has gone to uh, Waverly Hills. Um, we are hoping to be able to go to like Gettysburg and Salem and kind of venture out a little bit more outside of our general region here. Um, but we always try to lead with respect. Um, the way I always kind of tell people on investigations and on tours is that they were here first um, so you have to understand that this is their domain. They can see you, but you can't see them. Um, so you have to give respect when respect is due, whether they're being nice or not, you still have to respect them and understand that maybe they're just having a bad day. Just move on. You don't have to kind of poke and prod. Um, it's just a lot of give and take. Mm -hmm. It's funny. The, the notion of people being reluctant to do, to be involved uh, with paranormal tourism it certainly was a thing back in mm -hmm. 2004 uh, before yeah. ghost hunters really started popularizing stuff and then for a mm -hmm. while and then it was suddenly people loved it come eat at our haunted restaurant and stay at our haunted hotel and you know why mm -hmm. because the money that people spend if they're a paranormal fan and enthusiast it spends just as well as someone that is exactly. not <laughs> so <laughs> the as as a a woman leader in this field how do you think that what how what makes you and hidden marietta unique in your approach because there's still not enough women leaders in this field so mm -hmm. i'm kind of curious when you're looking at that landscape what makes you guys unique in your approach 
Um, I think that we are unique in our approach because we have so many different people in our group that represent so many different aspects of the paranormal. Um, we have me who is really highly sensitive. Um, I'm able to kind of like switch it for lack of better words, switch it on and off. It's really hard to explain. Um, but me who is a sensitive, I absolutely grew up in it. So I absolutely believe in it. Um, we have one girl that might be a skeptic. Um, she has had a few things here and there that have happened, but can't really say for sure if it's true or not, you know, um, and in regards to like, she tries to think logically about it. Um, and then we have um, girls that are um, into their spiritual side, whether it be like paganism, very witchy sort of vibes. So they try to think of um, things in a very like, I'm open to you. I want you to kind of come into my space and understand that I'm here for you and all that stuff. Um, one of the girls that works with us also is a Christian. She attends church on a very regular basis. Um, she is very like, I don't know about the paranormal, not, not necessarily scared, but she's, she's slowly coming around. Um, but uh, it, it, it's just the fact that we all come from different walks of life and we all understand the paranormal in a very different way, um, but we all have that same common ground of we need to understand this particular building and understand that there needs to be respect there. Um, so we always try to just make sure that we kind of play on each other's strengths. So obviously I'm sensitive, so I would need somebody that's with me that's not necessarily sensitive. They are kind of very like, you know, it's hard to, yeah. Um, just to kind of balance everybody out, we always try to make sure we pair everybody up in a way that it is, it's gonna work out really good. It's hard well, to, I'm so sorry. No, no, I, it's, I think it's a good point. It's like bringing, bringing a diverse representation of different backgrounds and mm -hmm. philosophies and worldviews yeah. and, all of that contributes to it. Otherwise you're, you're just doing things mm -hmm. in the same way that it's always been done. And that's yeah. kind of boring to me, but yes. on, I, on that note, honestly, you know, there's not a lot of, I don't know if there's not a lot of visible African-Americans or if there's just not a lot of African-Americans in the paranormal community. I think maybe <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of both. Yes. And, 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 African-American women, especially mm -hmm. a rarity. What are your thoughts about that? Well, first off, were, was there any pushback from the paranormal community or any pushback from the African-American community when you're like, Hey, this is what I do. This is, this is my thing. I'm into ghosts. Well, before I forget about it, I do want to say just this one funny thing. Please. Uh, <laughs> I think the main reason why there aren't, I, I know that there are some African-Americans within the paranormal community. That's just a fact. Um, but I think the reason why there aren't as many as there are white paranormal investigators, um, because this is going to be a kicker, a lot of... <laughs> A lot of African-Americans kind of still have the mentality of, you know, how in horror movies, we always die first. So they just like, I'm just going to avoid the situation all overall. If I'm not in it, I'm not going to die first. So that's at least from my family's standpoint, they kind of had that sort of mentality of, nah, -uh. they not, mm -mm, they're not getting me. Um, but I genuinely haven't had any sort of flack in that regard. And if there is any sort of flack because of who I am, um, I can honestly say that my girls, Jessica, Karita, and Megan are quick to completely shut that down. Sure. Um, they are like, we're, we're bonded like glue. They're basically my sisters. Um, so I have never had any sort of like realization of like, Oh, this, like I, I'm uncomfortable. Um, I've never felt uncomfortable in this community. Um, the paranormal community has always been open. Um, I mean, we believe in a lot of stuff that a lot of people would 
kind of see as crazy. Um, but I genuinely think that just, it's hard to explain because I don't necessarily see myself as an African-American, um, paranormal investigator. I just see myself as a weirdo who likes ghosts and the cryptid and history. And I'm kind of see myself as like the black sheep of my family. So sure. I, yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to speak for, you know, uh, the black community because it's certainly not mm -hmm. monolithic. And uh, so yeah. I understand that the it's, and, and yeah, certainly I think there is representation there are people that i'm mm -hmm. seeing at events that are not just the white bearded dudes there's a diversity yes. of people showing up mm -hmm. it's still unfortunately a minority of people whereas i'm i want more people from different uh walks of life because that just adds to our theories and hopefully you know the understanding that we might be able to unlock eventually about this mm -hmm. strangeness out there um yeah, and again, it's not like a, it's not something you can treat as if everyone comes from the same background. I know, mm -hmm. depending on religious background, sometimes there is the sense that if you're, if you're encountering something, it's either of God or of the devil, mm -hmm. and ghosts are not of God, so they must be of the devil. Yes. But again, that doesn't stand for every uh, black community out there. Yeah. And I, I'm always just really happy as well to see, um, Dalen, um, which he's a fantastic guy. The ghost brothers, all three of them are just absolutely hilarious. They're so down to earth. So awesome. Um, it's just nice to be able to see them in like a mainstream sort of way in a field that is not predominantly African-American, um, I would love to see more people like me um, in different TV shows and doing these different things and stuff um, because there are so many people out there, like so many African-American women as well that look exactly like me or um, feel the way that I feel or kind of do the things that I do, but kind of keep it in secret. Um, and I think if there was more representation, you would see like a, big influx in a bunch of different paranormal groups that are, whether it be Latino, African-American, Native American, um, Asian, uh, you would see so many more people out there. Yeah. And I think there has to be an awareness from those of us that are entrenched in it. First off, like trying to invite more people into the conversation, but also has to be an awareness that in the past, what what would happen is like people would show up to other communities and be like, oh, I want to hear your stories. I want to hear mm -hmm. your folklore, your ghost stories and whatnot. And then those stories are taken away and exploited and then yeah. made, used to make other people, uh, whether it is uh, Asian American communities or African American mm -hmm. communities or indigenous people exploited and then made to, uh, used to make them look bad. Yes. And, and so I realized that like there's, it's such a, there's a lot of undoing that has to be done mm -hmm. on that, that front too. Um, honestly, I think it just starts with us, even us just sitting here having this sort of conversation does kind of put that bug out or put that, uh, that sort of energy out into the the ether you know yeah. that it, it it's okay to welcome all sorts of people as long as they everybody is interested in the paranormal and we all have like a common um sort of goal i think ultimately that is what's going to bring people together in the paranormal community and just in general um but yeah i think it genuinely just starts with us just having this simple conversation yeah you mentioned being a little girl and watching the shows with your mom and, and it's, it, that's actually, it, that is something I hear a lot. It's people, mm -hmm. their first kind of exposure 
even if they weren't necessarily necessarily encountering the paranormal in their own homes, their their first exposure to this idea was through these TV shows, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, mm-hmm. Paranormal State, yeah. you know, early two thousands kind of stuff. But now that you're doing this as an entrepreneur, uh, as an adult, you mm-hmm. know, your old life experiences and everything, you don't need to name names. But what are some things that looking back on those old shows or whatnot you think could be done differently within paranormal tv things that that you would like more or less of in paranormal tv um i honestly would like more authenticity um i genuinely i feel like back when it first came out when the paranormal was like first a thing with like ghost hunters and Jason and Grant were out there like plunging toilets and then they'd get a call about, Hey, we've got this location that wants to investigate. And there was so much realness to that. And I think a lot of times uh, with certain TV shows, they kind of get lost in the entertain the entertainment value um, that they completely forget that there's also a human aspect to it. Um, there is a group that I absolutely love paranormal quest. Um, they have a YouTube channel and everything and they, if they don't catch something, they're just like, well, we didn't catch anything. You know, if they find something and they were able to debunk it, they're like, well, this wasn't paranormal, you know, not every single thing that's going to happen is paranormal. And the one thing that I find as an investigator now is that, um, being a paranormal investigator is a lot of patience. It's a lot of just hurry up and wait sort of thing. Um, You hope that something happens, but ultimately if it doesn't happen, you're kind of just like, okay, well, we'll just go on to a different spot, you know, or uh, we'll use a different piece of equipment or what have you. Um, But it's, it's, I, I just love the authenticity and I think you get, you kind of lose that sometimes with certain shows, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I, I agree. And yet I'm also, I know that there has to be some sort of drama or scare mm-hmm. factor a little bit with it. That's the nature of the TV bit. It, it, and oh, it's yeah. like, it's like any job. I'm willing to bet that you running a business it's not things floating. It's not your your skull floating across the room all the time. It's like we have to do paperwork and inventory and boring stuff that nobody wants yes. to watch. Yes. So there's that element too. Mm-hmm. And and something like YouTube does allow for a longer format to be like, well, mm-hmm. we didn't catch anything for that. So yeah. I, I agree with you, but I also understand like the entertainment oh, kind yeah. of uh, requirements and restrictions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you. Are you... And, and the other thing is you're such a likable and um, spirited person that like that your personality is what I would want to watch. And yet sometimes TV would just try to wring that dry and be like, okay, yeah, no, you're lovely. You're, 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 you're sweet and sunny. Could you now be really dark and serious? <laughs> like, well, you can be okay. So, based on that expression, clearly I'm you could. Dark and serious. I don't now. I know now. I'm intimidated here. Like you want to fight me? The the but so unfortunately, TV shows still haven't, for, yeah. by and large, haven't caught up with that notion of like, look, this can be a likable, funny person, mm-hmm. and then when the shit gets real, you could be like, oh, okay we're going to be serious now. This is oh, hardcore. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. So yeah. Uh, are you an a, a equipment kind of investigator? I am. Um, my favorite pieces of equipment I can honestly say are the spirit box. Um, I love being able to give spirits a voice in real time um, because even though you can have a voice recorder, uh, like a digital recorder or something um, or a piece of equipment, like a K2 meter or something going just kind of sitting there. Um, I like to be able to ask questions and possibly get a response right in that moment. So you can see, okay, well, they just said they want me to leave. So I'm going to back off and I'm going to leave. Um, or you can 
that kind of helps you gauge who might be there. Um, so if you hear a man, you can be like, oh, there's a man here. Or if you hear a little girl, you can kind of change and alter the way that you're investigating. Because um, typically if it's a little girl, you kind of just like, hi, sweetie, how's it mm-hmm. going? You know, um, so I love the spirit box. Um, and then I also love the REM pod. Um, I just like the whole, I like lights and the noise and stuff like that. Um, that way, if they aren't able to physically manifest themselves, they can still make themselves known with um, a sound or just making the light go to the green or red or purple or what have you. Um, those are probably my two favorite pieces of equipment. And then me. I'm like an antenna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I think we get so caught up in the blinking lights and everything. We mm-hmm. just, we cut ourselves off from the experience. That's why I will honestly say I'm the biggest tool in the paranormal investigation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Wait, I'm, can I show you? I don't know if it's going to like show. Can I show you a shirt that we have here in our please, shop? Please. I. I want to. I like I like visual aids and gags and and for everyone listening to the audio right now, Viva is showing us a shirt that says "Ghost Hunters Do It in the Dark with Battery Operated Toys." Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> I uh, I guess look. We should we we should definitely. Uh, plug that shirt can you get can people get that on the website yes we um have a website we have an online shop and everything so there's a few items up there that you're able to purchase um we have crystals we have uh tumblers we have um stickers we got all sorts of stuff um and we're slowly trying to expand the shop online currently so that's definitely a good one though and that's all at hiddenmarietta.com yes hiddenmarietta.com hiddenmarietta.com and before I let you go, I just want to say uh, the people that are watching the live stream version of this absolutely love you. They want to hug you and you are an inspiration. So uh, people people like you and, and hell, I like you. I'm so happy that we could figure this out. I need to go check out the, I need to visit Marietta or if you ever come back to the BK, let me know and uh, catch up with you there. Maybe we could do a ghost hunt in, in Brooklyn. But I definitely I need to visit to. I Marietta. Know. Absolutely. I would love to be able to go back to New York and try to find some spooky stuff. And, of course, when I was a teenager and everything living there, it was uh, – I lived in it, so I wasn't, like, looking for it. Now that I don't live in it anymore, I'm constantly looking for it. So I would love to find some place in New York to, to do some investigating make it happen yes. well finally uh plug some stuff how can people follow you support you yeah. and keep up with all your excitement yes um well i have my um handle for all of my social medias right here uh viva la melissa whether it's on uh tiktok instagram uh facebook which is like Facebook is kind of whatever. Um, but um, Hidden Marietta, we also have our website, hiddenmarietta.com. Uh, we have our Facebook page, which is also Hidden Marietta. Um, our Instagram page, Hidden Marietta. We also have a TikTok because, you know, you got to keep up with the kids, uh, which is also Hidden Marietta. Um, we constantly have things going on, whether it be the spooky movie nights, um, investigations on Blennerhassett Island, investigations here at the Anchorage Mansion. Um, and then once it starts getting a little bit warmer, we're also going to start doing our walking ghost tours here in town. Um, then we, we also have a few other tours that we might introduce at some point, but that's still yet to be seen. But um, but we always have something going on, whether it is morning, noon, or night. Um, we always keep our website and our social medias up to date. So you'll always be able to figure out what to do here. Well, even though we're wrapping up, I will ask someone. Um, this is uh, Aloha Kitty in the chat did ask if you ship skeletons. So <laughs> we don't. There's a demand. I, I know. He's. He's so precious. You need He's might need so to make precious. that happen. Add it to the add it to the business model of shipping skeleton. One piece at a time. 
anyhow. We, we might have to, you know. I'm going to let him just kind of finish. finish Collect it all. Coffee, you know? I love it. Well, I appreciate talking to you and your skeleton. Yes. Um, both of you are very humorous. And <laughs> yeah, sorry. You, you God. Give me a high five for that one. That was yeah, good. D- don't encourage me. That is so bad. <laughs> My guest is Melissa Viva Ferris. Viva is one of the owners and leaders of Haunted Marietta in Georgia, in Ohio. In Ohio. In Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, sorry. That was the thing I I was not going to say, and then I said it. (laughs) Haunted Marietta in Ohio. Haunted uh, Hidden Marietta. Damn it. I'm really losing it at the end here. Hidden Marietta in Ohio, hiddenmarietta.com. We got and it. <laughs> she is just a damn delight. So support her. Check it out. I know I want to go check her out as well there in Marietta and just see everything that you guys are doing up there. So thank you. Thank you. And this is being here. I loved it. I love I loved having you. You're gonna have to come back anytime. Yeah. And for all you folks out there, thank you. This has been Talking Strange. If you have stories you'd like to share with Strange and Unusual, email at talkingstrange at denageek.com, and we might read it on one of our episodes of Talking Strange. I've been doing that on the mini episodes, in fact. Until next time, I am Aaron Sagers. Be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content. <laughs>